Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, let's just say his name, Jesus. Jesus, you are here this morning, and Lord, we come to meet with you. We come to hear from you today. Lord, may your word change our lives. May your presence alter us. Lord, may we respond to the preaching of your word today. We give you praise, glory, and honor, and God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We're going to dismiss our kids as well. Miss Jackie is right back here. She is amazing. Kids worship experience planned for you. And in a little over a month, you guys are going to be doing the Christmas kids service. It doesn't even seem possible. Man, the older you get, the faster time goes. That's the most amens I got all morning so far. I'm like, oh, man. We're in the book of Acts. Before we go any further, before we launch into Acts chapter 2, this morning we're going to talk about who is the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we talk about the Holy Spirit giving us boldness, and he does, and he empowers us to be his witnesses. We're going to talk about that today. But the Holy Spirit works in a lot of different ways. I saw this picture uh, a couple weeks ago. Sometimes the Holy Spirit be like, it's coming. Yeah, there it is. The chameleon's holding that frog's lip, lip closed. Look, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives you things to say, and other times the Holy Spirit, he clamps your mouth shut and goes, listen, just don't say anything. Have you ever been there? You ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, today I just want to be able to preach what God wants you to be able to hear. We are an amazing body of believers. We're diverse. We've got different ages, different backgrounds, different upbringings. Different backgrounds when it comes to church. Maybe, maybe this is your first real church home, first real church experience. Um, not all churches are the same. They just aren't. Uh, not even all churches within the same movement uh, or same denomination are the same. Some of you here grew up in the Pentecostal church. Some of you uh, come from other backgrounds. Lutheran, Reformed, Catholic, Baptist, Methodist. But no matter what our backgrounds, what we believe and how we perceive our experiences need to be grounded in the Word of God. A lot of believers try to interpret the Word of God through what their experiences are, but that's, that's backwards. The Word of God needs to interpret for us our experiences. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to put everything that you think you know about the Holy Spirit in a box today. All right? Just in our minds, put it in a box for a moment. Because what holds us back from learning and growing in God, in Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit is what we think we know. What we think we know is our biggest hindrance from growing. So for a minute, let's just put it in a box. Let's put it on who the Holy motivates you, where it longs to have a deeper relationship with you. So let's start with question number one today. 
who is the Holy Spirit? And it's who, not what. It's who, not what is the Holy Spirit. It's who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, some, is part of what we call the Trinity. The Trinity. Well, what is that? Well, that is God in three persons. Maybe you've heard this. God the Father, God the Son, who would be Jesus, and God the Spirit. But when you begin to talk about the Trinity and the Godhead, it takes us to a deep theological waters where our simple math that we knew as a kid no longer applies. One plus one plus one equals one. And now that's not new math, that's God's math. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around that. Because even though the word Trinity is never, uh, never shown up within the Word of God, it's a word that we use to describe something that does show up in the Word. Does that make sense? That was very convoluted, but I think you got it. God reveals himself through the scriptures as one being. We find that in Deuteronomy 6.4, John 10.30. But then he also reveals himself in three persons, in Genesis 1.2, Matthew 3.16 and 17, and 1 Peter 1.2. So all three of the Godhead are individuals, yet all three are the same, and that is somewhat confusing and hard to understand. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit always work in unison. And the, the concept of the Trinity is something that we really can't wrap our minds around fully. It takes faith. In Acts chapter 2, we see that there is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we'll preach about that next week, Lord willing. But the Spirit is a person, not an experience. But as our relationship deepens with the Holy Spirit, we will have experiences with Him. But it's important for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is. He is a person in the Godhead, in the Trinity. So question number two, when does the Holy Spirit show up? Did he just show up on the scene in Acts chapter 2? Is that the first time that we see him and he is identified? No, definitely not. In fact, he's been there since the very beginning. Look back in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was there in the very beginning. And no matter what level you're at in your relationship with the Holy Spirit today, I want to tell you this. He is with you, and he's been with you since the very beginning. He's been working in and through your life in ways that you have not even perceived. So if the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning, that brings us to question three. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, let's look, for example, of what the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament and what he did in the Old Testament he still does today. So I, I, we've got a, a list for you. If you didn't get one of these when you came in, there's a list here of seven things that the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament, but I reworded it for, for these notes of what the Holy Spirit can do in and through your life. So number one, the Spirit created and sustained life. While this takes place in Genesis, it's referenced in Psalms 104, verse 30. When you send your Spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. The Holy Spirit brings and sustains life. 
Saw that this weekend in my dad's life. We see it every time someone comes to salvation. The Holy Spirit brings life. We see it every time. The Spirit spoke God's word. Isaiah 59, 21. And in 2 Samuel 23, 2, David said, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through him. The Old Testament saints received God's word through the prophets and leaders when the Spirit came upon them to speak. So the Spirit speaks God's word. Three, the Spirit addresses sin. Genesis 6-3 suggests that the Holy Spirit restrains sin, and he motivates God's people to confront it. And that still is happening today. The Spirit addresses sin. The Spirit empowers. As the Jews returned from Babylonian exile, the Lord encouraged them to build his temple. He wanted them to know he would protect them from the threats and enable them to be courageous. God told his people through Haggai, my spirit remains among you, do not fear. The Lord of hosts told the prophet Zechariah that Zerubbabel, that's a quite a name, the governor of Judah would, be, uh, would complete the temple and it would be accomplished, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. The spirit empowers. The spirit would encourage, enable, and strengthen this individual, for the work God called him to do, and God will do the same for you. Number five, the Spirit taught and led. Ezra said of God, you gave your good spirit to instruct them, Nehemiah 9.20. The Spirit teaches and leads us. The Spirit granted special skills. The Holy Spirit gifted Old Testament individuals to accomplish God's divine plans. When God told Israel how he wanted his tabernacle built, he also equipped craftsmen and artisans by his Spirit to do the work. Exodus 31, 1-5. So the Spirit grants special skills upon people. And then number seven, the Spirit points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. Isaiah prophesied about, the, about Israel's coming Messiah, noting that the Spirit would rest upon him, Isaiah 42.1. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, Luke says, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, Luke 3.22. There's seven things here that the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament, but I want to tell you those seven things the Holy Spirit does in the New Testament, and those seven things the Holy Spirit does today in his church for those who have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit. These seven things are still happening today, and the Lord wants them to happen more and more and more. The Holy Spirit is a person who comes into your life to equip you to be witnesses of the gospel message of who Jesus is. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 2, we often think, if you grew up in the Pentecostal church, we often think that the greatest miracle that happens in Acts chapter 2 is that 120 people that were following Jesus who gathered together to seek, to seek this relationship with the Holy Spirit. We think that the greatest miracle is that they spoke in tongues. 
But that is not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle is that the people in the community heard the gospel in their own language, that they could understand what the gospel is and who Jesus is, and 3,000 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior in one afternoon. 120 people was the starting, starting size for the church that morning, and by the afternoon it was 3,120. That is the greatest miracle that people's more excited for that. It's why we because he is the reason that I live today. He's the reason that I'm here today. People being saved is the greatest miracle. And that is what the Holy Spirit is about doing. He came to do God's work. And God's work is to bring people into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. So let's talk about abuses of the Holy Spirit. We live in a world and in a culture where we see abuses all the time. People being abused. Physically. Verbally. Emotionally. Can I tell you, sometimes the church has abused its relationship with the Holy Spirit. Too often, we've made the Holy Spirit and our interaction with Him about us. About we want to feel something. We want goosebumps or some type of personal manifestation. And that's the depth of our relationship with Him. We want it to be about us. That's the natural default of who we are, is we make it about us. The Holy Spirit didn't come to make it about us. He came to make it about Jesus. It's too often we make it about us. We make the Holy Spirit about, make me feel this. I want to feel this. Too often we blame the Holy Spirit. We blame him. Somebody does something stupid, and they go, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the Spirit leads us to do some strange things in strange ways. That's, that's true. But don't blame the Holy Spirit for our failings. Don't blame the Holy Spirit for our stupidity or for our ignorance. It is humbling when the Holy Spirit asks us to do something and we struggle to be obedient. Don't blame him when you really acted out of your flesh in the name of God and you go, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. Just Let's just be real. Sometimes we fail and we just need to call it for what it is. Failure. Messed up. Got it wrong. Too often, as Pentecostal believers and the Pentecostal church, we have done a grave disservice by over-identifying the Holy Spirit as speaking in tongues. Now, somebody is about like ready to freak out this morning. I know it. Listen to what I'm saying. As Pentecostal believers, we have done a disservice by over-identifying the Holy Spirit as speaking in tongues. I believe in speaking in the Spirit. I believe in praying in the Spirit. I do pray in the Spirit. I do speak in tongues. 
But that is not all the Holy Spirit is. How many of you in this room identify me as your pastor? Okay, a few of you don't. We're working on that. That's okay. (laughs) I hope that you don't identify me by my facial hair. Like, that's one thing about me. But I hope you don't come on Sunday mornings because you're like, I just want to see the beard and the sweater. That's really... That's really the depth of my relationship with my pastor, is that he has facial hair. And I see that some of you in here are trying to emulate me. And, and so, Dave Bruss, good job, buddy. Yeah, it's just, I, I see me in you, or you in me, whichever way it goes. It's not, it's not, that's crazy. That is one, far more than that. Look at this thing. He's amazing. He is part of the Godhead Trinity. And sometimes we've just, we've made him so small, so tiny. So few believers ever experience the fullness of who the Holy Spirit is in their life. He is, my relationship with him is the most intimate relationship I have. He is with me wherever I go. Wherever I go, whatever I do, He's there. The Holy Spirit is so much more. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And if we are not our own, we are never alone. You're never alone because you belong to the Holy Spirit and you're meant to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. So let's, let's look at some of the identifiers of, of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about the gifts and the fruits. The gifts of the Spirit are listed in five different places in Scripture, various uh, various gifts of the Spirit are listed in these five portions of Scripture. I'm not going to read the scriptures themselves, but I do have a list for you. I think we've got it on the overhead. And at some point, I I do need to do some teaching on this because I think we have massively wrong perspectives on a lot of the gifts. There's been a lot of bad teaching on what the gifts are, how they function, and we will get there eventually, but it's not for today. But here are the gifts listed in the scripture that the Spirit pours out on His people. And some of these gifts have to do with personality, with our DNA, our makeup, who we are. Some of these gifts are, are, are gifts that are used in, in a position, but let me express this. Gifts are not a position. Gifts are meant to be used in the posture, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Some of these gifts come into our life a lot like a Swiss army knife. When you have a deep relationship with the Holy Spirit and you are doing the things that God asks you to do and you find yourself in a situation and God wants to move, he will equip you with whatever tool that you need in that moment to get the job done. The Holy Spirit is the greatest handyman in the kingdom of God. He shows up, he's got a toolbox, and he will equip you with the right tool that you need in the moment to do ministry. So here's the list. In Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, we see prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, 
leadership and mercy. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 through 10. We see these lists, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, uh, distinguishing between spirits or discernment. Let me tell you, if there is something your pastor wants you to experience, it is the gift of discernment in your life. Verse 8, or verse 8, number 8, tongues, uh, and 9 in this passage is uh, interpretation of tongues. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28 through 30, we see apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administration, and tongues. In Ephesians 4.11, we see apostle, prophets, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Again, these gifts that are being talked about are not positions. They're gifts of ministry that can be used, and sometimes they're used by people in position. Does that make sense? 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks... Whoever renders service, serving is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. The church, there is one quote that, why don't we see more of the gift? They're like, oh, it's because of sin. Well, yes, sin can hinder you from operating in the gifts God would have for you, absolutely. But I'm going to tell you, sin was not a problem for the New Testament. Sin was a problem for the New Testament church. It was all over the place in the New Testament church. And yet they were still seeing gifts in the New Testament church. So sin is not holding back God's gifts for the church necessarily. Personally, we have to deal with sin. This is not an excuse for you not, oh, I can just do whatever I want and I can still be used by God. That's not what I'm saying. We say, oh, well, it's because of teaching. We're not teaching effectively or doing this or that or the other. I'm going to tell you, the largest reason why the gifts are not used in more abundance is because we have the wrong posture towards them. Because the word clearly says why gifts are not in operation. When there's not gifts in operation, this is why. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away if you do not have love. See, if we, if we want the gifts, we need the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit anchors us to reality. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, sorry, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. God puts more weight on the fruit than he does on the gifts. You want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? We want a church that flows in the gifts? Then we better produce fruit. Because a church that flows in the fruit will have the gifts freely flowing as well. That's the truth. 
That's the truth. A church that is flourishing in the fruits will flow in the gifts. The gifts are amazing. But when they're used, when they're, the gifts are amazing when they're used by the Spirit. And when you are used by the Spirit in the gifts, you should be humbled. There should be a little bit of brokenness that happens inside of you. Because gifts are not about focusing on us. The gifts are given to us to focus on Jesus. The Spirit brings boldness, but not arrogance. And people who try to proclaim that they function in the gifts, but lack the fruit of the Spirit, I'm going to tell you something, are toxic. Did you hear that? People who try to proclaim they function in the gifts but lack the fruit of the Spirit, they are toxic. They will burn a ministry to the ground. Gifts of the Spirit are not about position. They're about a posture, and the posture is found in the fruits of the Spirit. This church, scholars, leave. Leave. Because I'm going to tell you something. Prophet is not a position in the church. It's a gift of the Spirit. And if somebody flows in the gift of prophecy, they don't have to proclaim that they're a prophet. You will know it. You will know it. God wants great things for you, church. God wants the fullness of the Holy Spirit for you. But to get there, we've got to take some time and reflect, and we've got to take some time and repent. You might go, Pastor, I didn't even know about the Holy Spirit before today, and that's okay. Because look, there were times in history when God's called his people to repentance, not just for what they did individually, but where the nation of Israel was at. And guys, the church has abused the relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been abused. We've offended him. We've made him into a thing instead of a part of the Godhead, instead of a person, a living being. We've made him a thing. We've blamed him for the silly things that we do. We've focused solely on the gifts and let the fruits diminish in our life. We've emphasized us and what we want and experiences that we want instead of emphasizing, letting the Holy Spirit emphasize Jesus in our life. We've made the Holy Spirit about experiences like goosebumps and personal manifestations instead of engaging with him for the mission of sharing the gospel. I want our church to have the fire, but I also want to have the fruit of the salvations. 
And salvation comes with deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. So before we can, we can go into Acts chapter 2, before we can talk about the gift of the Spirit and how to receive and how to go deeper in our relationship with Him, I think we've got to take a moment here this morning and spend some time reflecting and repenting. So first we're going to reflect. Robbie's going to lead us in a worship song. You're not necessarily meant to sing. As Robbie plays, would you reflect on what God spoke to us this morning from his word? Reflect on it. Let the Holy Spirit convict you if you've abused the Holy Spirit. If you've thought wrongly about him. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life as Robbie plays. Robbie, would you just play a song for us? Give us a time to just reflect here.
we have encounters with the Holy Spirit as a church, I long for them to be pure. Not man-made nor man-focused. Only something that the Spirit of God can do. So look at that list. I've been guilty so many times of abusing Him, blaming Him, focusing too much on one thing or one perspective or making my experiences with the Holy Spirit about me instead of about Jesus. I see that in myself. And maybe you do too. Before we can move forward with the Holy Spirit and what He has for us next, I believe that He is asking us for a moment and a time of repentance. I'm going to ask you as a church to come join me at the altar and repent. Because I want everything God wants for you. I want it so bad for you. And you know what? Sometimes we look at the altar and we go, it's a place of shame. It's what we think. But can I tell you in the Old Testament, the altar was a place people came and gave their offerings. The altar was a place where God met them and made things right. And isn't it something in the English language that we've got two words for altar and the other way you spell it means transformation. Can I tell you the altar is a place where transformation happens? And I know some of you go, oh, you know, I can just stay in my seat. But can I tell you, there is something about when you move. When we're willing to get out of our comfort, Savior, join me at the altar. For when I'm saying, Lord, we're sorry. Holy Spirit, we're sorry for where we've messed this thing up.
Lord, I know you're moving in this place. We sense you here. Lord, we have moved to this place, into this, this posture. Because, God, we need to be humbled. You are so good and so great. And Lord, we apologize to you when we have played church instead of being the church. We have walked in pride instead of humility as your people. We've tried to do it on our own instead of allowing you to do it in and through us. Lord, we do not want to be a church that gets in your way of saving our community. Holy Spirit, we need you so big in our community church. Because we cannot do it on our own. We cannot go the distance. But under the power of the Holy Spirit, this church can be more effective than ever before. We can see healings happen. Bridges that have been burned down be restored. We can see salvations in our streets, in the workplaces, and on the campus. But we cannot do it without you, Holy Spirit. Forgive us when we have failed. Forgive us when we have blamed. Forgive us when we have put you in such a small box. We need you. Holy Spirit, forgive us for our sin, for the times where you have convicted us, but we have not turned away. Burn it out of us, God. Burn the desire of the things that pull us away from you. Burn it out of us, God. Fill us that we might be compassionate and see people differently. Oh, God, you are about to do something great and grand. You have already started. Holy Spirit, I just believe you're cleaning us out in this moment. You're making room for the new things you're wanting to do in our life. I know you love these people. I know you love these people, and I love your church. I want them to be filled to overflowing in the days to come. 
that God, they may lay hands on those who are sick and watch them be healed, that they may be given words of encouragement and peace, that they may have stability when others around them fear and shake, that, Lord, they would stand firm, that, God, they would be so full of your love when they get squeezed, that's what comes out. Lord, you love this church. You love your people. You love this community. You love our region. We need you. We need you. I'm going to ask Kathy to share something that God gave her. She wrote it down this morning. And then we're going to do one more thing before we dismiss today. He says, I am so much more than man can understand. I am in every area of your life. I walk with you. I hear you. I carry you when you're exhausted. I also rest with you when it's needed. I can give you what you need, want, and desire. Look for I don't need you. I think the Holy Spirit's done a really cool thing this morning. I think he is prepping us for what comes next. I know a lot of you would be like, hey, let's just go right now. Let's get after it right now. And look, there's a part of me that wants that too. But I also know there's a thing in God's will that's timing. And next week, we're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit. The church, when they were first starting out, they waited on the Holy Spirit. What if we took this week and we waited on Him? What if some of you fasted and prayed this week for what God wants to do next Sunday in our service? That we might receive all He has for us. Wow. Imagine what that service could be like if we wait on him this week, if we pray about that as a church, what amazing things might happen next Sunday. Robbie, I'm going to ask you to lead us in one last song as we leave here. Uh, Lord willing, God may move in a different way. We'll do whatever he wants us to do. I'm just going to follow him, amen? We're going to sing, this is a move. How many of you feel like there is a move coming? Like it's already started. Like there is just something new. It's a new thing he is doing. He has been working through us in this season and there's something new happening. Let's sing this song together before we leave here. Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe, yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. We are here for you. Come and do what you do. We are here for you. 
leave here, give you just a little more direction. If you didn't grab one of these this morning, would you grab one? Stick this up on your fridge this week. Every time you go to get something to put in your bellies, remember what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. And as you pray for next week, I'm going to give you just a little direction. The goal is to have expectations that God will do what he wants to do. And that's kind of it. Don't put the Holy Spirit in a box and go, this is what it's got to look like and this is how it's got to be structured. I don't know. Here's what I do know. We're going to have the kids upstairs next week. We're going to look at the passage of Scripture. We're going to look at what the the early disciples did, the beginning church, how they experienced the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to give an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to move in this place and for us to go deeper in our relationship with Him. How's that sound? I think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great, but you got to do your part. I got to do my part. The Holy Spirit will show up and do his part. Amen? Amen. We already prayed over the offering, so we don't have to do that. If you would like to be a part of our Christmas parade or living windows uh, downtown, 
Uh, if you would just stick around for a moment, we won't take long because I don't have a whole lot of information to give you today, but we'll just meet right over here in, in three minutes and we'll have our conversation. Other than that, you guys are dismissed. I love you guys. Do you love our church? Man, we got amazing people here. So give somebody a hug and then uh, you're dismissed today.